0: Bye-bye,
1: bye-bye, 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 bye-bye. this is social disgusting welcome to social Discasting, a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is a stand-up comedian as well as a writer director producer for such organizations as the detroit pistons bleacher report most recently he was the head writer and creative director of house of highlights and he's also the co-host of the excellent sports-centric podcast the greatest please welcome cj toledano
0: welcome thanks for having me brandon Good to be here.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for being on, or coming on, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, I really do appreciate it. I, I'm looking forward to this. First question, the very fun one. How are you?
0: I, I'm doing good, you know. I'm staying busy, um, and we're, we're healthy. Everyone I know and um, my family are, are healthy, so the world is fucking burning, but immediate family and friends are, yeah. are pretty good, so I think that's like the most you can ask for right now.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It's easy to go down that rabbit hole of everything is shit and this is awful. And believe me, I have my days. But it's definitely like count your blessings type thing, too, if you're in a good enough position to be able to hopefully thankfully have that, you know? Yeah. So to contextualize, I mean, this is going to come out tomorrow, but we are nigh upon four days removed from the L.A. Lakers winning their 17th championship. Yes. It's been a big four days, no doubt. For you both for that as a fan but also you released into the world a video that has gotten let me see how many as of right now 5.6 million views yeah which is incredible Two hundred fifty-two thousand plus likes and this is from really crazy at follow through la and the video is uh actually could yeah. you please set up what the video is and also how long have you been sitting on this video
0: so uh the funny thing is um man yeah it was i've been sitting on it from the point it was released about 2 weeks before that. Now, okay. So Dogface, Nathan, I've actually been a fan of his for a few months. Like Oh, really? I, okay. I I've always like denied like I was a big denier of TikTok when I first when it first came out. I was like, you know, it's a bunch of teenagers running around doing stuff and uh, but then I got into it. Not and not even to make so I just like watch it when I'm high before I go to sleep and I my wife <laughs> yeah. and I like to just like go through it. We don't really interact or really do much on it. But I just really enjoyed, like, once you accept it for what it is, it, there's a lot of fun stuff, a lot of fun people, and and Nathan uh, was one of, like, the, the people I first followed, and I loved, we loved his videos from him, he just, like, I think he works in a factory, uh, mm-hmm. and he would just set his camera down and he would dance with his coworkers or just by himself. It's like, he would just be chilling in in Idaho or wherever. And so I was just a fan of his. So when I saw the Fleetwood Mac thing sort of blow up, I was like, man, that's awesome. Good for him. And I I sort of, you know, I work in the business of reactive uh, sports content. And what that means is I try to come up with creative pieces of, you know, social media content that is sort of celebrating or creatively telling the stories of what's happening in sports. And I was just like, at first I thought, I thought that Dogface Nathan was living in LA. And so I hit him up directly and I was like, hey man, like are you a Lakers fan? I had this really cool idea that, you know, you could throw on a Lakers jersey and you could recreate your your skateboarding video, but we can have it you doing it in front of Staples Center. And he was like, yeah. I'm I'm down to do that here's a problem G he called me G which was awesome <laughs> he was like uh I don't uh, he's like I don't live in LA I live in um Idaho and I it took me like half second I was like fuck it like just if the video is so iconic the visuals are so iconic of him going down wherever that spot yep. is on the highway Truly. so i'm like let's still do it so here, here's like the the complicated part of the story is that so he's like i'm down and then i'm like awesome send me your address so you can send you the kobe jersey and of course i was gonna pay him already yeah and he he just stopped responding he didn't respond to me and so i hit him up on twitter and i was like hey do you still want to do this and he goes yeah and then i was like great so g- give me your address again kind of goes to me and then he hits me up and he goes for all inquiries contact my agent and i I was like, of course, man, this is going to be $15,000. Like I'm planning, like, follow through and we'll get to it later is the thing I'm launching yeah. I'm going to have to pay for this out of my pocket and there's no way I can pay I don't have enough money to pay what this guy honestly deserves and it was still See, really, you got him like
1: right on the cusp
0: right like literally of the
1: air quotes legitimacy of his business
0: and yeah think about it. this is two and a half weeks ago right like we, yeah. we, we, we've seen this is all still very fresh how this went and his agent hits me up and goes oh yeah he would love to do that it would be X amount of dollars and I was like it was definitely a jump from what his cameo prices were but I was like I think this this, this piece of content will be, you know, Lakers fans will really love it. I love it as a sports fan and as a Lakers fan, and I think it'll be worth it. So I did it, and also I was like, fucking Dogface, he deserves every penny and more 100%. that he gets right now and I believe that two weeks ago you know and so yeah we went ahead and we did it and it, it came out you guys saw it and you know I wanted it to be a big first piece of content that we released from follow-through and yeah we I couldn't have asked for more and how that thing performed and it feels gross to say how it performed but I just love that like Snoop Dogg reposted it Ava DuVernay like other sports outlets and and a big like my kryptonite is getting the the fellow kids comment on anything. And I felt like this was dangerously close to it. Yeah. And I felt like, you know, this content really almost did expire midweek, but then, you know, with Fleetwood uh, doing it himself and the pumpkin one, like, and other people like making it a challenge, it kind of gave it new life.
1: 100%, like it was uh, perfectly timed, especially with the way whoever the 15 minutes is, it feels like it's more like 15 seconds these days with yeah. that ex- expiration date of these things. Yeah, it seemed perfectly timed, and it was also, like, thank God it capitalized on the euphoria of Lakers fans. Yeah. That went a long way, heavy lifting-wise, no doubt.
0: I mean, no matter what, in my sort of line of work for the past five years is that when a big sports event's going to happen, I'm always, like, the NBA Twitter culture and and meme culture of sports and stuff, I always want to try to have, like, the best piece of content that is entertaining that isn't just, like, what I call head swaps where people put athletes you know cut out heads on top of movie scenes yeah and so I try to always think of something a little bit more elaborate and having a little bit more substance so I was proud of how this thing turned out and and I'm glad it's like sort of an introduction to what we're trying to launch with follow-through
1: I do want to ask about that obviously but before I get to that I can't imagine the duality of you being a nervous Lakers fan who also was like they have to win for this to be a thing." Yeah. Especially yeah. with the fact that it was like game five. Okay, the heat respond. We're at yeah. game six. You must have been just so relieved. Like, thank God. Okay, now we're ready to launch this.
0: Listen, I, if I could give any advice for anyone who ends up with the, literally the, the weirdest job known to man, I think. And I, again, I'm so, I'm so lucky that <laughs> I have this job. But like, it's up there. if you are in this line of work, the best advice I can give you is to gamble on LeBron like I know people people are like CJ is creepily obsessed with LeBron but I owe him so much in my career because I've hung so many creative projects on you know how good he is and I would say 99% of those projects he has come through and they have been some of my most successful projects to date that's like in and, and it really is it's like and it'd be weird if I wasn't a LeBron or Lakers fan but uh and that's why it's like doubly sweet this whole thing but a couple of years ago one of my my favorite projects I gambled on a Cavs and Warriors finals and both of the, the the conference finals that year went to seven and in one of them LeBron came back from down two zero. but I but the, the that project was a heavily motion motion graphic design type thing and like had yeah. some specific jokes and I was like fuck it like i'd rather have something that could hit as much as this piece of content is or just have nothing at all and i gambled and i put thousands of my company's dollars on this <laughs> piece of content that that it was gonna be Cavs warriors and it wasn't uh, again it's like i owe it to gambling on LeBron.
1: he is i mean the guy in every way it's like you think about the unicorns of certain sports currently mm-hmm. you know like the brady's and all that But he is, he's the unicorn of the unicorns. Yeah. That's like not even thinking about like the social justice stuff he's doing, which is incredible. Exactly, yeah. He is to me the ultimate example of, even if you don't like him, I do not see how you cannot respect the shit out of him. Yeah. He's, into, he's just the best he's the best
0: yeah no I mean and and people had that discussion and we don't need to make this a sports podcast where we yeah. discuss goats or whatever but I really just uh implore anyone who wants to have the discussion is just like let's just put person to person Jordan versus LeBron and yeah I know Jordan didn't have social media and whether that would hurt or help him but like we, we yeah you got to just give him props for what he's doing and in helping you know minorities and in black communities with voting and you know use he, like I don't I can't think of anyone who's used their platform better better than LeBron James. So if he didn't Completely. win his championship, then you know, he's already done way more meaningful things than win a championship.
1: Yeah, he has nothing to prove whatsoever. And and at the very least, if we're doing a go conversation of who would I want to hang out with more LeBron or MJ, it is LeBron one hundred times out of a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Because I cannot imagine how insufferable it is to be just constantly like tested, like you are with with Michael Jordan, who is probably the alpha maniac of competitive people.
0: Yeah, I mean, would I ask about how what it was like to work with Apatow a bunch? Yeah, probably. Like,
1: <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: I, I guess Jordan, the one to one on that would be what was it like working with, with Bugs Bunny? But LeBron's about to do it too, so
1: yeah. To me, that's like a no brainer on on every level. Follow through, though. You launched that Sunday, Sunday night, early I guess phases, officially. Early phases. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. So I guess what is follow through?
0: So what I can tell you is that I'm not straying too far away from what I do. And and for anyone listening, what I do, again, is really strange. It's I create content that is uh, trying to be authentic and a- like I don't want to say yeah. actually funny or entertaining about sports so whenever like you know some sort of milestone or a big event happens in sports I like to be like sort of that companion piece that fans can go on the internet and enjoy and retweet and share to their friends and so this is sort of like an extension of that like I've been working for Bleacher Report and I worked for the Pistons and I worked for the NFL and my one complaint is that I can't work with everybody I can't work with players and teams and other outlets I sort of have to just go with with whatever my company throws me or has the ability for me to work with, and I just sort of saw a ceiling at House of Highlights, and um, that's not a bad thing. But I just wanted to work at a faster rate and work with other people that have been hitting me up and who I'm a fan of. So what follow through is gonna be is it's gonna be essentially me meeting with players, teams, leagues, sponsors, and going like, what's like the actual fun piece of content that we can make for your your guys's milestones, or how can we cover the player's journey um, oh, off the court, yeah. like, whether that's vlogs or that's like, you know, Blake Griffin is trying to do comedy, like can we actually make a good sketch show for Blake Griffin or can we you know, it, it's really gonna be uh, the reason why this is all I can tell you right now is because I don't know half the other half of it, like I think that the, the ceiling is very high for this type of content and, and again, like five years in I can't believe that this genre has grown as much as it has and I think in, in having a company that is committed to doing as much fun sports, creative stuff and the inspired and based on stories off the court, like I think it's, it's going to do nothing but grow the business and also just like personally fulfill what I like to do in life. So that's sort of what follow through is as of right now.
1: Okay, well, fair enough. And it sounds, I mean, that that's very exciting. And it sounds really cool. But to your point, it, it sounds like, um, it's like the longer you work in something, the more you kind of can read the tea leaves and get an idea mm-hmm. of like, what the, what is this business, or at least this incarnation of it. And maybe, yeah, to your point, there were certain, for lack of a better word, limitations with regard yeah. to who you could work with. And you're always in, yeah, this box of, okay, well, I do this sport, so we do this, you know, we're doing this sport, as opposed to just the overall umbrella of sports.
0: No, I mean, the, the the crazy thing is, like, I moved to LA, and I lived in Chicago for so many years, and I did stand-up, and I wanted to write on SNL, and I wanted to write on all these sketch shows and TV shows and whatnot, and there was a point where work was just dry, and... and you know funny or die at the time had, had done a partnership with the pistons and they're like we need someone from the outside world of, of sports marketing to come in and like shake things up a little bit and i was like i love basketball and i love to create comedy and yeah that year of just making stuff sort of made a great case for it and it it's grown ever since. and so it's it's great like I, I always think that when comedy is done in sports, a lot of it starts with someone who works within the organization and, and no knock to them, but like I have the the background of like how a joke can work or different formats and whatnot. And I feel like kind of a unicorn in that that I'm like, want to take care of the comedy. Yeah, working with sports stuff.
1: Yeah, as a so. well, it's kind of like the idea of oh, so and so is funny for this as opposed to just being funny. Yeah, and those are two dramatically different things. Right. Right. You've done things that are not only seeing kind of how these things are done, you know, it's everybody doing the same thing and you have to stand out, but doing it in a way that's true to you, but also organic and not kind of cynical.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: I think people innately respond to authenticity, which is funny because like there's so much artifice with internet content, or at least there can be. So I think that, I think that really resonates with people. And I think that, yeah, I think that's exciting for people to look at.
0: Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's the hope. Stay on that track. And cause you know, at the end of the day, we got to live with ourselves and yeah. I don't want to be some corporate show. Of course I have bills to pay and stuff, but I really do think that there's a way to do this where we're not just, you know, doing product placement with some of this stuff. It's genuinely being like, no, this player is really cool outside of his superhuman athletic ability. Like let's figure out what that is and play to it, you know, and let's make cool stuff using that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there are so many just interesting people and personalities in sports that are just, yeah, to your point, like they're so much more than just what they do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about the first person that came to mind randomly just because they're content creators, I suppose, is Matthias Theibold. Matthias Theibold. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's doing some oh, really geez, interesting stuff. he's right? It's pretty cool stuff. on Yeah, YouTube. I
0: love his vlog. I remember just watching like these uh, NBA VHSs as a kid. Yeah. And I loved seeing... The players on the bus, I loved seeing, you know, them going out to eat. I loved seeing, you know, their workouts and and their barbecues and stuff like that. And now that we've entered this world of you know youtube and vlogging again i at first i was like denying it i was like how was this art you know hmm. uh me being pretentious i'm like how is documenting your life art and what these guys have done matisse and Javale, troy daniel all these guys have like figured out how to tell their own story in their own way and yes it's called a vlog but i think that it's given them this ability to think creatively and again show another side of them aside from just being like a shooting guard for the sixers
1: yeah, it, it absolutely humanizes them and then yeah, they're not doing it in some kind of way that is just strictly for the brand. And his for example like Cyborg, it's it's really good and really interesting and I'm I find it stuff like that fascinating because like to your point, you're seeing them as opposed to them answering questions that are part of, you know, a mandated interview post game. Right. So, you went to film school or studied film?
0: I went there for yeah, I well, s- film school specifically I dropped out after one semester.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you know what, you I'm I'm a huge huge film fan outside of sports as well, and we both had a form of film school, and that is that we both worked at Blockbuster Video.
0: Oh hell yeah! I didn't know that. That's great.
1: It was the best. Like it, it was yeah. funny. Like in real time, I was like, uh, while I was there, like, oh yeah, this is probably going to be. This will probably be the best job I have.
0: Yeah, I was like that. That was a dream job for real. Like I remember Same. applying and being like, I'm never going to get this, and then I, I'm I've never been more nervous than in my interview for my blockbuster job because same here. the
1: stakes were high As a kid.
0: Yeah. As a kid, you're like, I mean, Friday nights, obviously everyone has that same common experience of being around movies. And, and I, I don't know what, like I just have like this weird sensory reaction to the colors and the, and, like the blinking lights and stuff. And to know that I would potentially be able to have a, a job, a part-time job there was so cool to me.
1: It was the best. I remember too, like the first time I was there and we were like prepping movies on a Thursday for the following Tuesday Mm -hmm. and they were just like yeah just which ones do you want to see and people were like putting dibs on different movies and i was like oh well this is just what heaven is right oh i don't have to pay for them and i get them ahead of time this is on this is the greatest thing ever
0: i still have my store code in my head it's four two one (laughs) one seven which was uh the i think that was the yeah that was my the chicago chicago and state blockbuster in the gold coast of chicago
1: that's amazing Um,
0: yeah and where did you work I worked,
1: uh, I'm here and I'm, I'm in, uh, Little Rock, Arkansas and I worked here. Oh, okay, cool. After I was hired, the manager who managed over multiple locations, she had told somebody apparently, uh, we officially have to stop hiring our best customers. And yeah. because it was, it was not economically feasible and fair enough, but I think they also knew that like I was enthusiastic and, and by, you know, having experienced that I watched All of them. So I definitely had the recommendations to give, which is funny. Now that I think about it, like, that was one of my favorite things to do and still is, is to, like, find out what people like and then recommend something Mm -hmm. for them. That's one of my, it's one of my, like, minor favorite things to do, period. I love it.
0: I mean, a, a real, for real passion, and I pitched this to friends, uh, As a joke, but also in the back of my head, it's very real. I'd like to figure out how to bring back uh, movies or video stores. And to me, I mean, the things that you cannot recreate are the the being able to pick up a, a movie, look at the cover, look at the back. And then, like you said, talking to the employees who sort of are experts. And like, yes, you don't get that with anything now. Everything is like Rotten Tomatoes is fake now. You know, it's like there's paid reviews out there. Like I trust no reviews. But what I did trust was, you know, a guy at a video store or a woman at a video store who has like recommended 10 great movies before that for me. You yes. know, and like knows my taste and like that just doesn't exist anymore. I guess Letterbox is like a form of it, but like being able to go somewhere and have that physical media is a ser- and maybe I'm just like obsessed with it. But I think about it. I a feel lot. like it's missing. Yeah, I think about it a lot. And I, someone's gonna bring it back. I mean, I would love to for it to be me, but I don't know how to do that. But um, I'd like for it to come back for sure.
1: I completely agree. I do. Th- I genuinely like think about it a lot, and I think about you get that personal curation factor. Like it's a true mm-hmm. personal touch. To your point, it's somebody you trust, and I think also though actually seeing them, like them being a real person to you, you know, in and of itself goes a long way. But that sense of discovery is something you cannot replicate.
0: No, no, not at all.
1: I get infuriated by people's perception that like wh- Rotten Tomatoes has any real legitimacy because I'm like, this shit has been co-opted and completely bought. And I remember too that Last Jedi came out and people were yeah. like up in arms about the Rotten Tomato score. And I remember thinking then like, what the fuck are we doing? Why does Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> matter? Like, why is this, why is this aggregate? Why does this matter to anyone?
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember my first sort of like trying to sniff it out. And what was going on was I, I went and saw an Ain't It Cool preview screening of Eagle Eye. Okay. And I think something, was it Capone? Was he, are you in Ain't It Cool News? But I remember Capone, he was like a guy who I really yes. trusted. And I saw him get up in front of everyone and give this really phoned in review before the movie. Oh. This was at a, a downtown Chicago screening. And then... I watched it and I again I haven't seen it since and maybe I will. But Eagle Eye was bad. It was bad. It's, it's not good. Yeah, and and then I yeah and then I read his glowing review and I'm like, dude, there's no way like you were paid to do this. And then I think the same thing happened with A.O. Scott for me. And yeah, I just I can't trust many critics. I still like watching people talk about it like win and i from uh the podcast the other podcast yeah one of my favorite things to do is see a movie and then the next morning go on youtube and and watch a lot of the reviewers thoughts on it and there's a few people you can really tell that they're being genuine and and really do like like stuff and hate stuff and whatever so i I do still like the the genre of, of film critics so or film criticism so
1: I do too, but yeah, I definitely, um, I don't give it a lot of credence, I guess, with regard to what I will and won't see, you know, and I definitely don't want to read reviews for the sake of coloring my perception, because to your point, like, I don't know what their intentions are when they're reviewing this. Exactly. And there are some reviewers, too, that are just, like, they feel angry that they're not making these movies themselves,
0: <laughs> exactly. you know,
1: and I get, and I get that, by the way, because, like, reviewing movies isn't a lot of people's first choices so exactly. i kind of get where that comes from and it's but there's a, a bitterness that is coloring their perception of these films i think also though maybe knowing too much of a thing can hinder your perception because it's just like fucking nicholas cage movies are fun they don't have to be yeah. winners he's incredible that guy like just enjoy his movies enjoy the ride it doesn't have to yeah. be like fucking godard or something
0: exactly yeah i mean it's um yeah these these things it's other it's their promo machines or whatever there's so many motivations that you can't you can't just rely on it so
1: i will say though that an interesting thing out of all of this is that you know these film festivals doing online screenings now Mm -hmm. so for like san diego film festival which i think is happening this weekend you can get a one day pass for like 39 dollars, and you can stream on demand every movie they're screening
0: that's really cool is there anything that you're excited about I want to see that, actually.
1: A couple weeks ago, I went to the Drive-In Movie Theater and saw, mm-hmm. as part of a local film festival here, saw Nomadland, the Francis of McDormand movie that is fantastic. And if it'll be up for wow. Best Picture, and McDormand will be up for Best Actress, everything. Very, very really? good. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: No, I, it, that's the thing is, like, right now, I'm like, are the, the movies that are sort of just, like, going straight to on demand because theaters, you know, can't operate, are, I'm like... It's a hard thing to decipher whether it's because they're bad or because you just need to see them right now. And that's awesome to hear, you know, when a Frances McDormand movie comes out, you're like, she's not just going to do anything. Like, of course, people had mixed feelings about Three Billboards, but like, you know, yeah, you should go and see that movie. And it's awesome to hear that there are good movies being released these ways right now.
1: And I'm definitely like, it's a double-edged sword in that I love the movie theater experience and it's... I think I deeply miss, but I'm also deeply paranoid. And I'm like, I'm not going to a movie theater anytime soon. It's just not happening. But I, yeah. I hope they withstand this. And I think I think what's going to happen is we're going to lose a number of them. And I think that's an inevitability just by the nature of what it is, unfortunately. But I think yeah. when people get more comfortable, they'll come back. And th- theaters will come back as a response to the lack of them, probably.
0: Yeah, and I, I hope in like, you know, more like they're just going to up the fan experience a little bit more. Um, yeah. Rather than you know these just being chain theaters, yeah. You know I, I think it's been really great seeing what's happening to drive-ins uh, because of this.
1: I've never been to one before. Did you have you been to the drive-in this year?
0: Um yeah, yeah we've been so many times. I saw Bill and Ted uh, three or the new Bill and Ted there. I saw we went and saw shit. Evil D- a doubleheader was Evil Dead and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, that was a great one. I saw the first one. I, had, uh, I saw. This year was Indiana Jones. Nice, but yeah, I mean, it's been such a great experience. I mean, even seeing stuff that I've already seen before. I mean, that was as a, as a movie fan growing up and just seeing stuff on video. I would always go, man, I wonder what it would feel like or what it was like to see these movies in theaters or in, even in a drive-in. One hundred percent. Saw. these movies in the 70s and 80s and it's been really cool to see and to experience that and especially just to like get outside right now in a safe way yeah it's been great I'm, i'm like like the place that out here in la it's outside of la but it's called mission tiki i just learned this week that they were about to close like if you go into some of their ads they're like hey we're closed this is like back in february they're like hey big celebration as we are about to close our doors blah 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 but now yeah they have a new life this company called beyond fest every thursday shows classic movies like they did true romance and i can't remember who what else but they, every thursday do like you know very like new beverly if you're familiar with that yeah new beverly-esque movies at um at the drive-in and that's that, so that's cool been so fun
1: not in the a drive-in but i saw the the new Bill and Ted, which I can't imagine what that was to see a new movie like that at the drive-in. And a movie, yeah. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Loved it.
0: It's really good. I mean, to me, it gave a little bit of fan service, but then it was a really good, like, fun. Like, it just... The Bill and Ted movies in general have a little bit of like social commentary in, the, in yeah. the the best way and maybe that's just because of who we are but like and it's like really dumbed down and like fun and like <laughs> wrapped in wrapped in fun set designs and, and music and whatnot but it, it really was at that time or which was a few weeks ago what i needed like 100%. i remember just being excited about it and we watched the uh we watched excellent adventure right before it at the drive-in and i forgot how much that movie holds up outside of like the the homophobic jokes but like yeah the i I just really enjoyed seeing that and um it it sort of looks like it's giving some new life to alex winter and ed solomon and all those guys and so i'm really happy that that came out
1: i was relieved that yes it wasn't just fan service and it wasn't just kind of again cynically like trying to give everybody what they think they want but, mm-hmm. and it also, it just, it validated and justified its existence. Yeah. And also, Anthony Kerrigan is probably one yeah. of the funniest humans out there. Dennis Caleb McCoy is, it made me laugh so hard.
0: Well, so I was so, I was like, oh, this movie is going to be dominated by maybe a death, like death is going to be really good in it and really funny. And, and also too, and just like the character's appearance, I was like, oh, he's related in some way to death yeah. which was like i was like Ooh, this is like a big um oversight or like how did no one say anything but then man he just fucking delivered <laughs> and he's so funny he's really and i knew he was good in barry but yeah and i but i never thought i thought he would be like you know like a kramer or like a michael richards where you can't take him out of there that's what i thought um and yeah he was so so good
1: He's just one of those guys, too. I'm like, anytime I see a comedic actor or somebody with a comedic bent that gives so many subtleties like that, if they want to be dramatic, they'd be an incredible dramatic actor. Yeah. And because I, I think he's just a great, okay, in retrospect, just a fantastic actor because, God, it's so funny.
0: What we see with, um, when, when comedic actors, and there's, I think there's only like a few, I can count them on two hands. Like, when there's like a Will Ferrell type energy, or like a, I guess Vince Vaughn was like, inspired a little or like just from the same camp but there is like a type of comedic cadence and delivery that then we will see 10 other comedians like bad generic versions of them i think that they will start doing this with that with his with his characters like we're gonna see anthony kerrigan types in audition rooms i think
1: i can see that and it's gonna be who it's gonna be bad yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's like good, good luck trying to be that because that dude it's it looks effortless because he's so good at
0: it. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. But then again, I could just skip those movies, I suppose. So.
0: Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> a, that's there's always an option to not watch, but for some reason I'm still. Yeah, still intrigued. I mean, like just last night me and my buddy were having this conversation and it seems like you might know about this, but like I saw the trailer for Shit House yeah did you see that trailer yeah and when i hear and there was another movie it was a uh, shit what is her name from community well, jillian jacobs yeah so there's um she's coming out with a movie called i or it's already out i used to go here i think
1: i want to see that yeah and
0: so like those movies to me it looks like they they should have came out in 2008 um and in that time or like it was like early to mid 2000s they they really they were good at first and then they they got played out and now these two movies have come out and I'm already like those are gonna be bad but now but then I'm like I looked into the the guy who made shit house he's like a 22 year old kid who um just wanted to make a movie and then I, I gave the trailer another watch and I'm like really excited to see these movies yeah what I'm trying
1: to say no um, i agree I, yeah. I i think it's something that could be said for them being a response to that um, yeah and that going a long way and Kind of growing up with those movies, too. They're, I guess, a relatively younger filmmaker. But, yeah. Speaking of that, like, movies that are technically new, but feel old and are kind of confusing. That mm-hmm. that John Stewart comedy.
0: Uh, <laughs> I didn't watch it, but I could just tell. One I know. It just looked really obviously not great.
1: It's not, and it's but it's also confusing in that everything about it, earnest though it was, which is even more confusing, is of a certain time of a movie that's at least ten years old, but it's new. So it's like my brain doesn't process what I'm seeing because everything about it is like familiar without being older. Like I, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but I truly the thing I kept thinking while I was watching it was I don't know why this exists, and I'm still not <laughs> yeah. sure of that to be honest.
0: It kind of feels, I mean, and they might have two completely different premises, but it feels, it, for some reason, it was just like invention of lying. It felt like that to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe if they just use the same fonts and all the promos and whatnot in the title <laughs> card. But like, um, it really felt like, oh my God, I like Jon Stewart and all these people. And then you watch and you're like, no, I don't need any of this. I don't know. No, if I'm
1: watching this. no. I, I even did wonder like, why am I doing this to myself? Yeah. But then again, but then I, I guess in my brain, I'm also too like, I've reached the, the time threshold where I might as well just finish it. Yeah. And then now I'm complaining about it like a month later. So it's really working out well for me, I guess. Got yeah. some sweet content out of it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but is there anything, what what all do you want to point people toward?
0: Um. Yeah. I mean, so... I, yeah, uh, I have a podcast called the greatest with my wife. We talk about the greatest and topics in sports. And it, to be honest, it's not like we don't try to get facts or really just try to, we don't really try to, you know, be like, no, this is the greatest. It's more so like, here are the favorite moments that, uh, we've really enjoyed in sports. And, and we like having, you know, non sports people on like comedians and friends. And it's, it's sort of like a, uh, I don't know. It, it's it's sort of an introductory or introduction to sports podcast, I think. And there's a dynamic that my wife and I have on there um, that I think a lot of people would enjoy. And she's doing a, a show in our backyard right now called The Bubble Machine. Where yeah, it's great. Just, yeah. Oh, thank you. I'll tell her that. And, and you know, it, we're not trying to be talking heads from from, uh, you know, uh, around the horn on ESPN. We're, we're comedians at first and, and we're people who just watch sports regularly and, and have very like loose opinions and, and fun commentary on it and so I think that podcast and, and her show the Bubble machine are good examples of, of what we want to keep doing in the business so I, I recommend checking out both of those things
1: I completely agree I co-signed because I was it's funny I, I actually didn't want to mention this briefly but I was listening I listened to when it came out the Derek Fisher episode. Yeah, of the greatest and he's from hey little rock arkansas yes he is yeah yeah, funnily enough but i was listening to it and the thing i realized was i was like oh that's why he's a coach because it's not only that he's like a really smart articulate guy He's a great Mm -hmm. communicator. He's really good at that. And I was just, uh, I will follow this guy. He's great. I really enjoyed it. It was really cool to hear him.
0: Yeah, and and my wife is a Pacers fan. And so having Derek on, she was like, I hope he doesn't bring up, you know, the 2000 finals. And he definitely uh, brought it up. But like, again, yeah, like you said, he's super... Intelligent when it comes to sports and and also like social issues and he was in the WNBA bubble and he's also you know a a Laker legend so like getting that perspective on seriously like the the top three things going on in the world right now was was really awesome and we had so much fun having him on so that's a great episode if anyone wants to to try to get into the podcast
1: yeah I completely agree it's great yeah thank you for coming on I really enjoy your time and I love the conversation
0: yeah. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll do it again and we'll talk more. uh, We'll share some blockbuster stories.
1: Oh, I would love that. This was awesome. Thank you again. Thank you for listening. Bye.